we made this. Hello and welcome back to We Played This, the show where I grill a guest about their greatest gaming experiences. We've got a very special guest today. You may know her from her appearances on The Edge on Trek FM and make it so on our network. We made this. It is Brandy Jacola or Jacola. She's not quite sure. She won't tell me either way. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Brandy. <laughs> Hello. It's it's one of those things where it's just, you know, I answer to either one. It works. <laughs> well, I'll I'll keep alternating. I'll chop and change as we go through the uh, through the episode, shall I? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, how how are you today? Well, I'm doing just fine. I had a rather bizarre night, as you and I talked of before we started the podcast. <laughs> yes, I do, but, I do oh. apologize as well for keep interrupting. I keep forgetting that there's uh, different time zones for different uh, countries. <laughs> no, it's okay. You were actually interrupting at times that I was awake because yeah. of power outage situations and lack of air conditioning makes for not conducive sleep. So <laughs> it's all good. What's the weather like in Utah? Because we are hot. having it. I mean, good. Yeah, it's hot here as well for a change, which is nice. You know, typical Brit. I have to bring up the weather. That's that's something you can't get out of when you join a Brit on a podcast, I'm afraid. Oh, no, that's fine with me because I'm constantly complaining about the weather at this time of year. I am not a fan of summer. I am extremely fair skinned. I get heat exhaustion really easily. And the sun and I are not friends. So <laughs> summer for me is like torture that I have to endure every year. And in Utah, it gets hot fast, stays hot for a long time. And finally, maybe in October, it starts to dip down to reasonable temperatures again. Right. Is it is it a dry heat in Utah or is it quite humid as well? Because I'm all right with heat, but it's humidity that absolutely gets me. Oh, humidity is horrible. My mother grew up in Arkansas and we went there for her 40th high school reunion some years ago. And it was August and it was like 100% humidity and Oof. 100 degrees. It was awful. Ouch. Yeah. Well, typical Brit, my only experience of... Um, of America is going to Disney World for holidays. So oh, Lord. in in my head all heat in America is, is that kind of humidity. So <laughs> No, no. Utah is actually a desert, so it is quite dry here for the most part. Uh and yesterday it was just super windy, like seriously windy, around thirty to forty miles per hour winds all day long. So Ouch. now it's hot and <laughs> super dry. Like super dry. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, so great. Love it. I really don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to this episode because you are the first guest that I've got on the show that I have never spoken to before in my life. So oh my goodness. <laughs> this is going to be really exciting because I have absolutely no way of gauging where this uh, conversation is going to go. Um, because even um, we've had some guests 
on from other podcasts, but they've all been part of the network. So I've I've spoken to them a few times by now already, and we've chatted uh, behind the scenes and things. But I literally we haven't discussed ahead of time anything about gaming at all, have we? <laughs> well, that's all right because I think Kurt and Tony can vouch for me pretty well. So we're gonna have a good time. That's it. Yeah, head of the network, Tony. Um, he was the one that um hooked us up wasn't he he said that you would be a perfect guest for my show and as a new budding podcast i i'm not in the position to say no but i'm sure i'm sure they're correct <laughs> well that that was the funny thing is because we were wrapping up this episode of make it so that just came out a couple of days ago actually and uh he said i can't remember what he said and i said oh no it's all fine it's my gaming day so the rest of my day is going to just be gaming and he says oh are you a gamer and that started this whole conversation which is how i ended up here oh yes cross promotion over our network that sounds yeah. brilliant <laughs> yes it's wonderful cross promotion always great Okay, so we might as well get stuck in. Um, I've been explaining because obviously we are uh, still quite a new podcast, but every episode there are four big questions that I ask every single one of our guests, which is what we're going to start off the topic of conversation with. And then from there, we're going to we give a massive list of questions for guests to choose to be asked as well, so that they it chops it. Up. You know, changes it up a bit and it's going to be a bit different every episode. So we'll get stuck in with the four big questions. So starting off, where did your journey into video games begin? <laughs> well, my journey into video games began pretty much at the inception of video games. The f <laughs> I first remember playing Pong with my father. Wow. And that was, I'm going to guess it was around... 1978. Yes, I'm, I'm older. Uh, and <laughs> that was after, uh, cause Pong had been like a, a thing that you put quarters into. So, well, not yeah. quarters back then, but, uh, it, they put it out as like a home console thing, which literally that's all this console was, is it was just Pong. It didn't have, you know, places to put in cartridges or discs or anything. That wasn't a thing yet. And a neighbor had it and brought it over to our house. And so my dad and I played it. I remember the controller was just like a box with a turning wheel on it, you know, yep. and that was how you moved the little thing. And I, uh, I had a great time playing that, although my manual dexterity as a, well, if it was 78, I would have been five, was <laughs> not as great as my father's. So no. <laughs> I did lose a lot, but I was, I was fine with that. I just had fun and I thought, ah, oh, I want more of whatever this is. And, uh, that's where my journey began. And it didn't, it didn't continue immediately after that, but it did, start up again when my parents bought our first home computer slash game system, which was the Atari 800. Oh, we thought we were Ooh, wow. so <laughs> swish, let me tell you. And uh, <laughs> that's when the obsession began. So the Atari 800, that's, that's the model that came after the 2600, I believe. And it... I remember it having not quite as good a reception as the, the older models. You know, I don't quite remember. I thought the 2600, yeah, I thought the 2600 was after the 800, but again, I was young, so I could be wrong. <laughs> I could, so, I could look it up, but I'm not going to. <laughs> are there any, are there any games in particular that stick out from your memory from the, from having the Atari? 
Yes, there are a few. I did spend a lot of time playing Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, and I actually once, once, only once, got to the kill screen on Donkey Kong. Oh, wow. It never happened again, and I don't even know (laughs) how I did it. I guess it was a a combination of sheer will and dumb luck, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, that happened once. But there was this there was this weird game that uh, we got. We had a neighbor who also had the same system, and he actually copied a lot of floppy disks for us. And so we had a lot of games, some of which we never played because they were just like, what is this? But <laughs> we there was this game called Bruce Lee. <laughs> Which was so silly. And it was a, it was a two player cooperative. Well, it wasn't really a cooperative game. It was a two player game. There was, you know, Bruce Lee. And then there were two enemy characters. One was a samurai who was for green for some reason. Why green? I don't know. <laughs> of course. And, and there was a, like a ninja. And the second player could actually take control of one of those characters. And so my sister and I, my younger sister and I, we would play that co-op. She would, one of us would be the villain, one would be Bruce Lee, and the one villain would fight the other villain to keep that off the, off of Bruce Lee's back so we could progress through the game. And there were all these ridiculous levels. It was basically an early platformer, you know. All right, and, cool. Uh, and we managed to finish that game more than once, but it was just so funny the way that everybody moved in the game yeah. that it was. We just laughed. We spent hours playing that game. Cool. Um, going back to the the pong system, um, I can't really remember if pong ever was officially released over here, but there were definitely a load of um knockoffs that you could buy that were very very similar setups um Mm -hmm. and you know they'd say they had like five games on them and it would be like pong tennis and basically you go through the list and it's all exactly the same game but just different different uh sized paddles and things like that but um, we actually i actually bought one of those old school systems only about three years ago um oh really yeah, just to see how, you know, replayable they are in a in you know, when we've played all these other games. And there is still something about Pong that is fun to play. Like it's yes. very simple but so effective gameplay. But um but trying to connect it up to a modern HD telly was an absolute nightmare. Oh, I can only imagine the amount of adapters that must have taken. <laughs> well, obviously like it they used to go directly in through your aerial uh yeah. socket. Um, which you can still do. The only problem is on a, you know, modern tellies is then getting it to understand what it's seeing. <laughs> yes. And, and get it, get it to appear on a channel somewhere was an absolute nightmare. But we find me and my friend Dave, who is on uh, the Cinemortuary podcast, we only played it once. Um, because then I ended up having to sell it later on, but it was, it was a fun 20 minutes when we finally got it working. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine the TV saying, what is this? Yeah. What are you trying to do here? <laughs> this is not compatible. <laughs> it's hilarious how poor the picture quality and how blurry and fuzzy it was when all it w- we were asking it to render was a square and two lines. <laughs> <laughs> yes, modern TVs cannot understand just a square and two lines. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. No. So going back to again to the Atari. Um, so... We've already had a couple of guests on who were talked about their kind of when gaming and personal computers were in that very weird 
kind of nebulous time of both being considered the same object, but also kind of not being very good at doing either. Do you remember doing any kind of actual computing with your Atari or was it mainly a game system? No, we did actual computing with the Atari and it was also used as a word processor. But when I was in seventh grade, which now I have to wrap my brain around when seventh grade was for me, I would have been... (laughs) I was actually, I would have been 11 because I skipped a grade in grade school. So I would have been 11 when I started, um, when I started seventh grade and I took a computer programming class. They had a computer programming class way back then. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So they had mostly Commodore 64s, but they did have like five or six Atari 800s and Atari 2600s. And so I chose to do my work on that because I had that at home. Right. But it was so new. And our teacher, God love him, just did not understand how to teach people (laughs) what he already knew how to do. And he would also chew gum and drink coffee at the same time, which really I just thought was disgusting. What was like, the point would, in either of those? <laughs> exactly. Why would you do that? One or the other. One or the other. But well, at least I you... Was... I'm sorry, sorry you carry on. I was just going to say, at least you never busted anyone for chewing gum in class. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. What I was going to say is I um, I have a lot of memories of computing in school because I'm kind of the mid-age for a millennial right now. I'm 32. So I, I remember when I was in the early years of primary school so oh god i forget I, I hate trying to translate that to american no i know what uh, i know what primary yeah, i know what primary school is it's good a few years above kindergarten and um we my my parents my both of my parents were teachers so we had a computer at home uh, out of necessity more than anything um mm-hmm. but we were even back then we were um one of the very few families in school that that actually had a computer and i remember i used to get called out of class all the time because because there would be teachers that couldn't figure out how to use the computer so they would send a kid to come and get me to go out and teach them how to do things and it would literally be things like i've left the caps lock on and things like that so (laughs) so that that was always fun it was it was the kind of simple stuff that even i as as a 10 year old was able to (laughs) Mm -hmm. to help them figure out yeah. Well, I'll just straight up say it. I'm 47. So, you know, I've been around a bit longer than you have. But uh, I actually face problems like that today with uh, <laughs> people that I work with. So not not necessarily as simple as you left the caps lock on, but just very basic things where they're like, you always know what to do. I This is what happened. And I say, well, um, did you try actually clicking in the field where you needed to type? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to me now because um, obviously I, I have a reputation al- along, among people that I know as being, you know, a gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and people tend to assume that if you like video games, you must also be really good with computers. I, oh, and sure. I'm the proof that that is absolutely false because mm-hmm. I don't know fuck all about computers anymore. <laughs> like it's it's over a decade since I was at university, which was l- the last time I understood what a computer was doing. I think uh, even like Windows has changed so much in the last 10 years that I don't 
understand it at all anymore. But it drives me mad because we'll get phone calls from relatives and people messaging me on Facebook and they'll whatever they ask me, I'm just like, I haven't a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I get that sometimes as well. Where, In fact, there was a problem that we had at work with our particular software and everybody's like, how do we fix this? And I was like, I don't know. Contact support. <laughs> Why would you think I would know this? And but, before anyone yeah. gets back to me and says, well, you you host your own podcast and edit it yourself. You must be good with computers. Mate, no. running a podcast is easy. Anyone can do it. <laughs> Again, yes. I'm proof of that. <laughs> well, and, and I'll tell you right now, I'm no fan of Microsoft. So, um, <laughs> so fuck them. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so next question. Um, what was the most recent game you've played? Oh, that's a three-way tie. If I go with absolute, uh, the actual last thing I played before I went to bed, it would be Final Fantasy VII Remake. But cool. uh, I also played yesterday um, some Fallout 4, which is one of my favorite games, and Death Stranding, which apparently is very polarizing, but I'm yes. really enjoying. So I've heard that, because um, it's... I've heard the gameplay loop is quite repetitive, but if you're really if you if it if you dig it, it's it's really fun. And is it the gameplay that you're getting behind then? Yeah, it's uh. Here's the thing, okay. I am not a gatekeeper. I don't care what difficulty level you play the game on, and I am not going to consider someone not a purist if they play on very easy. So, <laughs> you know, the whole point for me in playing a video game is to be entertained and have fun. Yep. And so, when I started Death Stranding, I'd heard a lot of things, didn't really have context for those things, and so I thought, oh, there's a difficulty level. I will take very easy, thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, the gameplay is interesting, but also the story is interesting. I have my own theories, which I have not looked up anything online. I don't want to be spoiled. So I have, I have my own theories about certain characters and what's really going on. But they just kind of dump you into this story with almost no explanation. And I love it because I'm finding out with the characters, what the hell happened here? <laughs> Yeah. Why is this going on? It's just, it's, it's mind blowing, really. It's just crazy. So, but I've, that, I've enjoyed that a lot, but it, it can get a little repetitive. It's like, oh, I've got to take this thing to this place. And that's pretty much going to be the whole journey is me taking this thing to that place and making my way across the former United States. So. Yeah. Um, are you a fan of Kojima's games in general? Have you, are you a Metal Gear fan as well? Or is this your first kind of, uh, is this your entry point into his kind of output? No, I have played Metal Gear games in the past. I played like some really early ones, uh, not as much as the more recent ones. But yeah, I I understand where they're coming from, and I like that they are that they were willing to just go out on a limb and create pretty much a whole different way of experiencing a game because there's really nothing like this out there. <laughs> it's very singular and uh, that was their intent so yeah <laughs> they win cool cool um and okay we'll go on to the next question um what is your favorite single player gaming experience 
Oh, my favorite single player gaming experience. That this one is tough for me because I am very bad at choosing favorites a lot of the time. <laughs> There's I, so I, many things to love. Yeah, I sympathize. Um I I don't think I could interview myself for that particular reason. I don't know if I would be able to pick. <laughs> yeah, and so I I've thought about this a lot. And I'm only just now coming to a final decision because there are a lot of factors that go into saying that is that something is my favorite. And I would say my favorite single gaming experience is the very first time in 1997 that I played Final Fantasy VII. Cool. It was eye-opening, to say the least, <laughs> and uh, traumatic at times, but uh, it it very quickly became something that I have continued to play since 1997. So was was that your entry point to the series to Final Fantasy or It actually was. Yes, it was. We before we had a PlayStation, which back then there was only the first one. So before we had a PlayStation, the most advanced thing that we had was a Super NES. So we hadn't really had a ton of experience with the Final Fantasy genre or line or series. That's the word I'm looking for, series. <laughs> and so this was, I was intimidated. We'd seen commercials on TV. And my this was actually the year that my husband and I got married. And we had seen the commercials on TV. And I thought, I hope we get some money for Christmas because I want to buy a PlayStation. And my parents ended up giving us one for Christmas. Oh, and cool. so the first thing that we went out and bought was never Final too Fantasy old. VII. <laughs> never too old for a new console from your parents. <laughs> no, never. My parents were very cool in that regard. And my dad also really loved video games. So he was always on board with anything new. He always wanted yeah. to try everything new. And uh, so, yeah, we, uh, we got that, we got that game system. We got Final Fantasy VII. And I was slightly intimidated by this new level of gaming and I had my husband play it first and I watched him and I watched him for probably two or three hours playing this game and I'm like okay 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 go away I want to play I'm gonna try this now and then you couldn't pry me away from it <laughs> you just every hour that I could spend on that I did so that's brought up something that's quite uh a hot topic in our household me and my uh my partner we um we have this discussion a lot about watching other people play games mm-hmm. for instance i cannot stand to sit there and watch someone else walk into a wall seven times before they figure <laughs> out that they're pressing the wrong button um whereas whereas she's really um really quite a patient person and does enjoy helping someone else figure out how to do you know the bit that they're stuck on uh, mm-hmm. what 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 are your thoughts on that you and your your husband do you, i do you regularly watch each other playing games or are you or was that just a, a one off no actually i enjoy watching my husband play games he doesn't watch me as much because we have two playstation 4s and so he's got his and i've got mine uh, we actually learned that early on when we had a custody battle over our Xbox. <laughs> so <laughs> it was one of the few fights we've ever had. And I said, okay, we have to get a second gaming system because this is not working. 
And so that's what we did. And we've had a very happy gaming marriage since then. But uh, it's easier for me to go and watch him than it is for him to come and watch me. But sometimes he will do that. When I was playing Spider-Man for the first time, the, the new right, yeah. Spider-Man, which is a glorious game, although it does <laughs> really make my thumb and forefinger on my right hand hurt after a while. <laughs> <laughs> because those are the buttons for battle and web slinging. And oh my Lord, do you use those a lot? Yeah. So yeah, but uh, he, I actually, he was having a problem with Death Stranding, getting past the BTs. Anyone who's played that will understand. I'm not going to explain it for the people who don't. <laughs> and so I said, let me watch you for a while so I can figure out what's going on here. Because I don't think you're dumb. I just think you may not understand something that's going on. And so he was in the situation and he's like, okay, come here. I need your help. And so I went in and what he was trying to do, because to get past BTs, you have to crouch so that you don't move as fast and don't make as much sound. And you also have to hold your breath when you're moving. And right. the way that that happens is the character puts his hand over his mouth. And what my husband was trying to do was he was crouching and, you know, he had a really tall load of stuff that he was taking somewhere, which anyone who plays the game knows what I'm talking about. And he was, you can have the character grab the straps of the pack so that it's, he doesn't fall over. And he was doing that and still trying to hold his breath. Well, that right hand can only do one thing. It can yeah. either hold breath or it can hold a strap. And so once we figured out that's what was going on, he hasn't had any future problems. So, and sometimes I just like to watch him play. Like he's been playing the hell out of uh, Lego Batman 3. And sometimes I will just stand there and watch him play that because it's entertaining to me. So what is it about um, the Final Fantasy, especially Final Fantasy VII? What, what what do you like about that series? There's a lot that I like about the series. I love the system of materia and how you can actually raise that up instead of improving certain stats. Well, you can improve stats as well, but that's not really where the focus is. It's more about getting all of this magical energy up to its highest level. And then it has babies and you have new ones. And that's so adorable. Because <laughs> so, the first time that happened, it said fire material was born. I said, what? What? <laughs> I had no idea what that meant the first time that it happened. And so I go in and I look at my list. And I, oh, oh, when you max this thing out, it produces another one at level zero. Huh? Who knew? <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't just the gameplay. I did. Some people really hate uh, turn based battle. Some people love it. I'm kind of one of those people where I can go either way. It's not there's not one that I like more. It's just whatever the situation calls for. And yeah. so it's very turn-based as far as Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. But that worked for the game that it was and the story they were telling. Yeah. And really, overall, it was the story that I think sucked me in and I just had to know what was going to happen. And granted, in 1997, the storytelling is not as good as it could have been. And mm -hmm. there are some very stereotypical and even, shall I say, sexist things in there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but but overall, the overall story that they're telling was a very compelling one and resonates especially today. So Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, um, and I love the characters too. Love the characters. Love the characters. And that's important in an RPG, isn't it? You've got to com- you've got to be able to commit to these uh, people that you're going on a journey with. Absolutely. Are you, are you a big RPG fan in general, or is it just is Final Fantasy your core core series for that? Oh no, I love RPGs. I adore <laughs> RPGs. It's it's my favorite genre of game to play, and I even play tabletop RPGs. Where right, my husband cool. and I have a Dungeons and Dragons group, which unfortunately has not met in three months because yep. quarantine and social distancing. Have but, you zoomed uh, any uh, any dungeons you know, at all? Or I have recommended that more than once, but uh, our our partners, which is another married couple, have had some other stuff going on, so it hasn't been really a good time for them to do anything. But I keep I keep bringing that up every once in a while saying hey dave uh you know i've got a paid zoom account we could all get on zoom together so (laughs) (laughs) i've i've had very limited experience of uh tabletop rpgs um i can never remember what the system was that my friend was using um i did enjoy it for a few months and then i realized i just don't have the stamina for it taking as as quite as long as it does and mm. it, it it was something like that i i enjoyed but won't be coming back to but um i was so into it that i was buying like um rule books for rpgs that i wanted to potentially play of things that i like franchises that i like so i've got like the farscape role-playing book that i'll never <gasps> ever use and things like that and I, I didn't realize when buying them that you open it and the first page is basically saying first of all learn everything you need to know to play dungeons and dragons and then this is just the add-on And i'm like oh christ okay <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize so quite mean. quite how much work would be involved so i've Every person I know that likes Farscape, I wind at them for about three months saying, please learn how to play this. And then I don't think it's ever going to (laughs) happen. Oh, that's too bad because I love Farscape. Uh, anyway, what well, the the thing about <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons or and all RPGs as far as tabletop RPGs is it is all really going to come down to your dungeon master. Yeah. And how good they are and how well they want to work with the players because there are some dms that are downright sadistic and they do (laughs) everything they can to kill you off those people are not cool they are not good dungeon masters my husband is a great dungeon master and of course he was the one who got me into D D because I wasn't allowed to do any of that when I was a child because there was this whole scare of, oh, they're summoning the devil and practicing witchcraft. And it's like, it's a game. For fuck's sake, it's a game. Look, at but... that point, they'd run out of people to point at and blame, so there had to yeah. be somebody. You were the you were the very bottom of the barrel, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, my husband, with our campaign, he actually created the world that we're playing in. He didn't take anything from, like, a starter kit or anything like that. He created the world, the government, the continents, the people, and created an overall story that we would be telling. And the thing is, is that we do things in a bit of an episodic way. 
We right. will have, uh, you know, this week we have to do this. And sometimes a story may take three or four sessions to finish and then we're on to the next thing. But there's always this overarching thing that we're working towards. And it works out very well for us in that regard because we're still telling smaller stories so it doesn't seem as massive and overwhelming as if it would you know as if like if you started final fantasy on the world map said here go find something to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah well that's kind of i i'm not a big fan of um sandbox games either for that reason just because when i've got so many possibilities it, it i actually find that really limiting and i never know what to actually do or which direction to go in i'll end up walking around in circles because i'll never commit to going in one direction i'll i'll be going i'll I'll go that way find nothing after five minutes and turn around again go back yeah you know i actually have come to really love sandbox games because though there always is like a through narrative that you can follow i enjoy side quests because it makes your experience different every single time I have never had the same experience twice in a sandbox game. Not once. And in fact, there are certain situations, like Fallout 4 comes to mind, where I have accidentally run into a situation that has never happened again in all of the times that I've played it. I just happen to be in the right place at the right time, and suddenly I'm coming across this guy who's pretending to be someone I already know, and I'm like, you're not Preston Garvey, what the fuck? So... Don't but even I suppose try there'll to be some, me. I suppose there'll be some players that come across that character first and be like, yeah, okay, I believe you, kind of thing. That's yeah, quite a fun, fun little mechanic. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so final question from uh, the top uh, four, the big four. What's your favourite multiplayer experience? My favourite multiplayer experience? I am not big into multiplayer because I unfortunately usually encounter just too many assholes so (laughs) it's true i found that out by playing fallout 76 is there are still most i mean a lot of people are just nice and just want to play the game and go about their business and some people just want to come into your camp and wreck everything you own (laughs) so that is not my favorite thing generally If I'm playing in multiplayer, it's going to be co-op with someone that I know. And so when my husband, I, when I finally talked my husband into getting a PlayStation 4 was, which was only about six months ago. Um, he's like, no, no, I'm fine with my Xbox 360. And I kept just wanting to scream, no, you're not. You need a (laughs) PS4. When I got, when we got that for him, I said, okay, you have to have Fallout 76 because I need a partner to play some of these missions. And we have had a lot of fun doing that. But if, if I'm going to be honest, the best time that we have ever had playing together was actually Saints Row 2. All right. Because you can do (laughs) so much weird shit in that game. (laughs) It's just so crazy. Yeah, and re- it's so entertaining. <laughs> can you can you think of anything in particular that was just absolutely batshit bonkers that the pair of you managed to pull off? 
Oh gosh, it's been a while since we have played that together because it's an older platform game. Yeah, it is, yeah. And we we just recently subscribed to PlayStation now so that we could play that again. <laughs> but we haven't played co-op. But I remember quite a few missions where uh somebody was flying the helicopter and the other person was shooting and uh we just killed everything in sight regardless <laughs> of whether they were friend or foe. It's not and a game then, that I've played, but um, I've had a friend that I lived with at uni that used to play it a lot. So we'd always like he'd be in the one corner of the room playing on his 360 whilst we're watching telly, and he'd just be giggling away to himself the whole time he was playing. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it was a reviewer that once said, "If you wanted to jump out of a plane, stark naked, and parachute down and land on a granny by a swimming pool, you can do that. You can do that." <laughs> It's it's just very free. Basically, I liken it to uh, Grand Theft Auto, but fun. Yeah. So, and with Saints Row 2, they made it possible to be a female character or a right. male character. And the dialogue pretty much does not change, which Brilliant. I found extremely... Uh, Sex positive, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Gender positive. Yeah. That you're a badass whether you are playing a male or a female character. And it's just, you know, endlessly. It's endlessly entertaining. Doesn't matter how many times I've played that game. It's, you know, sometimes I just want to jump in a car and run over everyone I see. It's, <laughs> it's Which, to be fair, is the only thing people play GTA for anyway. So if you can add extra stuff, why would you want to go and play GTA when you can play something as daft as Saints Row? Yeah, exactly. It is absolutely crazy. I I really feel that Saints Row 2 is the best of the series. It started getting weird in Saints Row 3. And Saints Row 4, I don't know what fucking is going on there. It's just, you know, there's you get kidnapped by aliens. I'm not even going to go further than that. It just <laughs> it's just like where why what? No. I think really? it's just the fourth one's just been ported to the Switch or is going to be ported to the Switch, I think. So it's something that I keep mm thinking about giving a go but again you know even even silly stuff like that if it's if it's a if it's too sandbox i just get lost <laughs> yeah well that's that's the beauty of saints row 2 is that yeah you can continue with main missions or there's all these little missions all over the city that you can go do and all of them help you get to your final goal and <laughs> get your money and get you you know owning neighborhoods so that you're just sitting back and watching that dough come in every once in a while stopping by one of your cribs emptying your safe going out and buying new properties you know it's Brilliant. all good <laughs> <laughs> okay so now we come to your two questions you were able to pick yourself um, yes intriguingly you picked exactly the same questions as our guest last week matt Ooh. latham from pick a disc so this will be yeah. interesting to see how different it is oh was... i've also been on pick a disc i forgot to mention that oh right what, you, what was yeah. your pick again I've, I've listened to quite a few of them uh, uh it was actually deep shadows and brilliant highlights by him oh i've listened to that one we've i've, I've heard you before <laughs> See, you're, you, you're you heard me and hadn't known. I'm, I'm so famous, darling. <laughs> please, please kneel before me, kiss my ring. Anyway, well, you almost convinced me to listen to him, but I haven't. So 
That's okay. <laughs> but at the to. time, you 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 were doing a really really good uh, good um, argument for for the. You were stating the case for him. I need to I need to dig that out and listen to it. Um, yeah. So first question: Which franchise can you just not get enough of? Well, there are many that I could have chosen from, but again, I'm going by what I've poured a lot of hours to and what compels me, and that would be Fallout. Cool. Because I have this fascination with post-apocalyptic wastelands. <laughs> I And it started before video games. It started before video games started doing that. I don't know why I have this fascination, and I don't necessarily need to know how it started. I don't need to play a prequel or anything like that. I like just being dumped into the story, and this is what happened 200-odd years ago, and now you've got to go find your way in this place. It often, like in both Fallout 3, in both Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, you are trying to find someone. For, yeah. In Fallout 3, it's you're going after your dad. In Fallout 4, you're trying to find your son who was kidnapped. And so that's that's a compelling overarching story. It's an emotional tie. And you're rooting for this, you know, finally these people being reunited. But also, I just love how fucked up everything is. <laughs> and... <laughs> I don't know why I love it, but I do, especially <laughs> since these are all based on actual places and they yeah. have taken topographical maps and structure, you know, blueprints and all of these things to recreate these things that were actually there. But this is obviously an alternate reality where they never really got out of the 50s aesthetic and their computers are still CRTs and stuff like that. <laughs> and that's fine. But, you know, where else am I going to play a game where I can ride the elevator all the way to the top of the Washington Monument and just look out over the ruined mall in <laughs> in D.C.? It's just, where else are you going to do that unless, you know, nuclear war actually happens, which is still a possibility, guys. Yes, let's, let's not talk about the wider world right now. I don't think no, I can no. cope. <laughs> Oh, I, you don't think you can cope? Our country is on fire. Anyway. Well, so. our politicians are trying to get us all killed through viruses, so we're not much Same. in a better situation. Well, yeah, I suppose yeah. you've also got that on top of everything, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, everywhere you turn. It's the darkest timeline. It's the darkest timeline. Absolutely. So... <laughs> But yeah, I don't I don't know why I just find it fun to play in a post-apocalyptic world like that, but I do. I love seeing how humanity is struggling to get by what they're doing. I love absolutely just murdering raiders. That is so much fun to me. <laughs> so it's like, oh, oh, you're going to come in here and take my stuff? I'll show you. Now you're dead. Ha ha. So... <laughs> So but, you mentioned earlier, obviously, um, Fallout seventy six. Are mm -hmm. you are you one of the people that's stuck by it? Because obviously, it's had an incredibly troubled kind of. Um, well, I was going to say start in life, but it's getting on a bit now. It's about is it three years old now or something like that? Is it that old? Good it's Lord. been going a hell of a long time, considering that basically it's still being built. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. All games are still being built because yeah. that's why updates happen and that's what downloadable content is. 
So that didn't really bother me, but I was on board from the beginning because it was Fallout. <laughs> and it's it's different because of the multiplayer aspect. It's harder. It yeah. is a lot harder. But also, again, it's a real place. It's West Virginia. And I know enough about West Virginia to be shocked and awed by the things that I'm seeing. Right. And it's the the gameplay is is fine. They've actually returned a bit to more the Fallout Three style, where armor and weapons break after a certain number of uses, which can be frustrating. And it's really more about survival yeah. than than the last two Fallout games have been. It is absolutely stunningly beautiful visually. Right. Absolutely stunning. And I, I actually do enjoy it because there's always at least one person while I'm playing who has gotten all the codes to the nuclear silo and has set off a warhead. And I always look on the map and it's almost always the same place, which I'm mm -hmm. usually not close to. And just once I want to get close enough to where I'm at, like the event horizon, where I'm going to see that detonation without being part of that detonation. <laughs> <laughs> and I just never make it there in time. But there have been times where I've actually, you know, because you get a warning saying that uh, a warhead has been launched and to seek cover immediately, etc. And uh, one or two times I've actually seen that missile flying overhead from where I am. So wow. it's, uh, it's, it's compelling. It's compelling. The stories are compelling as well. And now they've introduced NPCs, y'all. So there's a lot of stuff. There was stuff to do all over the place anyway, but there is so much more now that it's almost a little overwhelming. Well, that's but... really interesting because um, my I, I haven't played the game, but um, the only sort of exposure I've had to it is, I don't know if you know on YouTube, the, um, the games journalist, Jim Sterling, who uh -huh. is obsessively, passionately hates what happened with that game and, and the whole uh, sort of shambolic, as he refers to it, sort of launch with no content and all of this. So it's really interesting to hear somebody who's actually played the game and is actually really behind it and, and you know, enjoys it, which is really interesting because I've never heard that perspective on it before. That's cool. Well, there are a lot of people who have been with it uh, from the beginning and have feel the same way I do. Unfortunately, they're not the loudest people. The yeah. haters are always the loudest people, whether they be big or small in numbers. And usually they tend to be smaller in numbers than the people who actually enjoy it. Uh, I, I had no expectations of this game before it came out other than it looking glorious and it's being a lot more a lot more in the beginning because this game takes place only i think it's 25 years after the bombs fall oh right okay so that's that's a pretty short period of time yeah and frankly, a lot of stuff is still irradiated, as it should be after <laughs> only twenty five years. But there were there were tons of quests to do right from the start, tons, right? And some some that I've still never even gotten to. And I think the the biggest problem for me is just finding supplies to build stuff. 
I really wish that they would just take the limit off of the storage because you have a limit of how many things you can store in your camp. And I really think they should just remove that. The game is already hard enough, so please stop (laughs) doing that. They did up it. It used to be a a smaller, and they did increase that. And I think that they're still going for that really realistic survival thing, which is why they've kept that cap on there. But I I just note to the developers, uh, if you could do one thing to make us all, you know, not completely tense the entire time we're playing this game, just remove that storage cap, please. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye. Oh, oh, and allow us to sell ammunition. Can we do that? Those are the only two complaints I have. Okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll pass that on to Bethesda then for you. I, I appreciate that very much. But I'm, yeah, sh- I'm, you know, I'm sure I, they're all listening. Yeah, that's the thing. You can hear a lot of hate about something. And generally, when something generates a lot of hate, it's for a reason that actually may not be as grandiose as they make it out to be. Yeah. So, so many people that complained about it, but yet so many people that still love it and have still been with it since the beginning. And I am one of those people. I, I love the things that Bethesda does. I love their commitment to story and their commitment to gameplay and their commitment to visuals. So basically if they're putting it out, I'm picking it up as a general rule and people say, Oh, well it's so glitchy. Yeah, of course it's glitchy. Have you seen how big this world is? Have you? (laughs) Yes, there are going to be glitches. Good grief. Of course. Of course. Okay, so last question. Um, what mm. game have you put the most hours into or replayed the most? <laughs> well, this is probably not going to come as any surprise to anyone, but it's actually Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> because I have never stopped playing it since 1997. Yeah. And when I got a PS4, they were saying, oh, hey, we're going to have a PS4 port of the original Final Fantasy VII. I waited with bated breath. <laughs> and finally, it became available for the ridiculously low sum of $10. Yeah. And I purchased it, and I have played it several times since. The great thing about the PS4 version is that they have fixed all the grammatical errors, <laughs> for mm. one thing. <laughs> and they have also uh, given you a couple of fun cheat modes. Well, oh, three right. cheat modes, really. You can turn off encounters completely. Oh, wow. And Random encounters, I should say. So it's like uh, a permanent repel from Pokemon. <laughs> exactly. Well, and there's a materia in Final Fantasy VII that if you get it up to its full level, will do the same thing. But you get it pretty late in the game. <laughs> uh, let's see. So there's that. And then there's uh, a function where you can make everything go three times as fast, which really gets you through those talky bits so much faster. And it really <laughs> helps with level building. Because sometimes, because in order to get everybody's limit breaks to their full level, you have to just grind levels and grind levels and grind levels and fight enemies and fight enemies and fight enemies. And it can become extremely tedious at normal speed. But when you're on triple speed, hey, it's great. Same thing with chocobo (laughs) racing. Triple speed chocobo racing is God's gift, you guys. It is God's (laughs) gift. But probably my favorite thing my favorite cheat is going to be what I call God mode right? where when you turn that on, when you're in battle after every turn, your magic points refill, your hit points refill and your limit break resets to maximum. 
So basically, cool. you can you can zip through the game in probably eight to ten hours if you wanted to. If you're not doing a lot of the side questing things and raising chocobos and all that stuff, you can you can get through the game pretty quickly if you wanted to. But it's it's eliminated some of the more tedious functions of the game and made it uh, even more entertaining to <laughs> watch them all at triple speed. <laughs> cool um i think like personally um i've i've been a nintendo kid my whole life so Mm -hmm. at the same time as you've replayed final fantasy 7 a million billion times i've been replaying the remakes and going back to the n64 version of uh, ocarina of time because Mm -hmm. that's kind of the comparable thing that nintendo had in a way um but Yeah. yeah i'm exactly the same it's the game that it's from the same era. I play it all the time um, to the point where now I think I've overplayed it and I'm not getting as much enjoyment out of it as I as I probably should be because <laughs> I'm just yeah. so used to it. Um, but the three they they remade that for the the Nintendo 3DS and that mm. was a, a really a really solid remake, keeping a lot of the. I mean, it's basically just a graphical update more than anything all all the gameplay is pretty much exactly the same there's no, there's no cheat codes for that unfortunately <laughs> yeah and that's okay because you know now i have final fantasy 7 remake which is not a complete game yet so <laughs> uh the first chapter of it of course came out in april i had that on pre-order since 2015 <laughs> when they announced that it was coming and the date kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And so I just stopped paying attention to all these updates saying, okay, so the release date's now been pushed back to this. And I, I'll know when it's really going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And what they did with it is so fascinating. And I can't, I can't really go into specifics unless people want to really be spoiled by it. <laughs> but the end of the game broke my brain. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it broke my brain and I thought, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then I realized after I pondered for a while, I thought, oh, wow. Wow, you guys. Okay. Wow. You, you have, you, wow. <laughs> basically was my reaction because okay. basically it takes the first five to six hours of Final Fantasy seven and it expands it into a much larger story with much more character development. The sexism is pretty much gone. The whole war between Tifa and Aerith over Cloud is gone. Uh, I mean, they're both attracted to him, but they're, they actually become really good friends with each other and support each other. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> for portraying female relationships in a positive light. Cause we are not all hating on each other and catfighting every other second, people. That's just not how it is. Really? Wow. So, you've just blown my mind. <laughs> I know, right? So yeah, seven remake is, I mean, it has its own little tediums here and there, but the, the visuals are absolutely glorious. There is literally no difference between the visuals of battle and the visuals of the movie sequences. It's all the same level. Wow. It's the same quality. It's mind blowing. And to get to hear everybody talk, it's so great. <laughs> I love it so much. Everybody has a voice. Barrett sounds exactly like I thought he would. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because a... sometimes, like, 
adding the voices can make things seem a bit weird, but I'm glad I'm glad that it's worked for you. <laughs> no, it's it's perfect. And I kind of got that experience already from Final Fantasy Advent Children. So Yeah, yeah, I uh, suppose that's true. Yeah. You you get that a little bit, but this they it's just all pitch perfect as far as voicing. Uh the actors who are doing the voices are magnificent. Um, Don Corneo is exactly as annoying as you expect him to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> he sounds exactly like I expected as well. So it's it's really it's amazing what they've done to honor the original and at the same time do something different. Yeah. Which is a really difficult line to walk. Really difficult. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we've come to the end of our questions. Oh no. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's been it's been awesome. Oh, it's my pleasure because I don't get to do this as often as I would like is just talk about video games because a lot of the time, you know, the people that are around me directly besides my husband, they, their eyes just start to glaze over and they're not really <laughs> listening anymore because they're not into it. We're not into it as much. So it's it's my pleasure to just vomit all this stuff all over you. <laughs> So, yeah, before we started recording, you mentioned that you, you and your husband have got a couple of uh, your own podcasts as well. Um, did you want to plug them before you uh, toddle off back to Utah? <laughs> I would love to. Uh, my husband and I do a podcast called The Dark Corner Podcast, where we look at pop culture and basically whatever we want from sort of a darker perspective. Uh, we are children of the night. We are goths. Um, <laughs> I know people are like, you're a goth, but you sound so perky. Guess what? Goths are people too. <laughs> We're not all just despairing. Though that's, that's emos, guys. <laughs> anyway. Oh, no. No, I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. That was a joke. Sorry, <laughs> friends who are emo. That was only a joke, and I apologize for offending anyone. Uh, anyway, it's called the Dark Corner Podcast. You can find it at darkcornerpodcast.com. And we are big old nerds. So 99.999% of the time we are talking about something nerdy. <laughs> and, uh, the, we just had a World Goth Day special, a music special a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, we shall soon be doing some other nerdy topic, which I'm not 100% sure what it's going to be yet, but it will be nerdy. And then I have a solo podcast called Headcanon, which I kind of did as a joke at first. I mentioned it on another podcast where, where I was just talking about Headcanon. I said, yeah, I'm just going to start my own solo podcast called Headcanon and just talk about all the stuff in my brain. <laughs> and some people said, oh, actually do it. And so I did. <laughs> so, Why not? Why not? <laughs> Exactly. So you can find that also at darkcornerpodcast.com. It is it is in its infancy. There's only six episodes out right now. I'm working on more, of course. But there is one episode completely devoted to Final Fantasy VII Remake and touching on the original as well. So Awesome. So yeah, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> Anyone that's looking to find our podcast online, um, we have a Twitter, which is at Oh shit! I always forget. <laughs> I always, I always want to say the uh, the socials for the other podcast I've got. So yeah, it's uh, on Twitter and it's on Instagram at We Played This Pod. There we go. I got it right. And uh, if anyone wants to uh, follow me, they can. It's at Timbles RH. Um, and again, thank you so much for joining us, Brandy. It's been a sincere pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. See you later.
We Played This is part of the We Made This Network. Logo by Carl Bryan. Music by Dave S. Walker, a.k.a. Kyoko Dragon. Elsewhere on We Made This. I'm in a band podcast. I've been pretty ill, like, in Holland. Just, we all got sick in Holland one time, and I got it first, and I was feeling really rough on stage. As you always do. I just had to try and do my best. (laughs) (laughs) I don't always get, I'm not this sickly little tiny Tim you make me out to be. I'm not. (laughs) I'm not tiny Oh, yeah, sorry, carry on your story. Just a passing comment, sorry. (laughs) That's it, really. That was it. I was just saying that, you know, sometimes you've just got to pretend... Shipwrecked and Comatose, a Red Dwarf podcast. Colin, so they come out of the three million years and, and uh, everyone's dead. I don't know if you wear this, Colin. Everyone's dead, Colin. Yes. Everyone's dead, Colin. What, what Peterson? They're, they're dead. They're dead. They're dead. Everybody's dead, Colin. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a recurring thing for quite some time. And I must admit, as, as, as much as, um, as I actually love you know, comedy in general... That I love repetitive comedy. Yes. When you speak about The Simpsons, I love it when Sideshow Bob hits those rakes. Yeah. He's just going, Ugh. Yeah. And he does that for ages. And this is another kind of um, aspect to that. Between the notes. And then when he left in The Dark Knight Rises, I think it's no coincidence that I found Dark Knight Rises like in just an, an ear batteringly loud <laughs> movie in terms of its music. Right. Well. This is where I rise up. <laughs> so you <laughs> all, all the impressions are coming out. <laughs> it has to be done, son. It has to be done. Maybe you should, you should present what piece of music you have here. <laughs> I, so you're lucky I didn't do the entire podcast as Bane. I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm still doing impressions of Bane. Eight years later. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network.